Thanks for joining Cornerstone for our message of the week. We hope you'll be inspired and encouraged. To connect with our church family and to watch our services live, download our app today by texting Sparks Will Fly as one word, app to 77977. That's Sparks Will Fly app to 77977 or by visiting us online at sparkswillfly.cc. Good morning, everyone. We got uh, the Prince of Preachers, uh, Pastor Junior, back with us this morning. But uh, we thank you guys for tuning in, and uh, we just want to share what we feel like the Lord is speaking to us, and just uh, during this time and during this season. Uh, also, I wanted to uh, let everyone know that uh, we're going to try to release a letter either on Monday or Tuesday and post it onto our uh, social media stuff. But we plan on uh, gathering back together, everyone, on uh, May 17th, and so uh we're just looking forward to getting the family of God back together and for a corporate gathering. And, and so, so, so our plans is as of now uh, to, that we will be gathering back together here live at the Stone on uh, May 17th. And so, so we're just about a, a, week, a week away from that. So uh, we want to get right into the Word and, um, and uh, just share with you. But what we want to talk this morning is Pastor Junior and I, want to really share uh, where I w- I've just been in the same vein, man. I've just been studying and just hanging out on just the power of the Holy Spirit. And so I believe that this is the much needed thing in the days ahead. So everybody's talking about, you know, when we come back, you know, uh, you know, I don't want to go back to normal. Uh, to me, let me tell you what, I, when, I, when I hear that, or to me what would be going back to normal is settling for just a church service. I mean, we have got to really, and I'm talking about here, I'm talking about me, I'm talking about everyone in this, I'm talking about in, a, in our homes, I'm talking about in, in the church, in the corporate gathering, we have got to learn how to host the Holy Spirit, and and this has got to be the emphasis in the days ahead. I mean, um, no longer can we just gather, try to gather around coffee, donuts, or, or good teaching, or great service. I mean, we have got to see the power of the Holy Spirit on display in the church. And so I, I want to read a couple of scriptures, and we're just going to share this back and forth this morning. And, you know, um, one of the things for me is like um, I, like we were doing Wednesday night and did Sunday, especially Wednesday night here in the office or whatever, and I sat down and watched it. I was like, my God, man, I look like I'm angry. But I, I'm not angry, but I am one crying out in the wilderness. I mean, God's called me as a reformer, so, man, I'm not, I'm not called to conform to some things but i just believe some things that got to be said they got to be they got to be herald and um and so uh i'm not mad at anybody but i am mad at the devil and i am here to break up religion and break up the fallow ground and prepare ye the way of the lord so john 16 verse 7 is where i want to start at this morning i'm going to read these verses out of uh passion translation and so uh john 16 7 um it says, but he, here's the truth. Jesus, Jesus says, uh, these are his departure words. Uh, John 14, 15, uh, and 16. This is his last uh, moments with the disciples. And so he's, he, he's here, here he goes. He says, but here's the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I don't go away, the divine encourager will not be released to you. So, in this moment, it's hard for them to understand, you know, how in the world we've got Jesus here with us every day. How is it going to be to 
to our advantage that he's going away. But he's telling them the truth. He said, here's the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. Because if I don't go away, the helper will not come. That word helper right there is is parakletos, which means one to come alongside of us. I mean, the Holy Spirit is is not a thing. It's not an it. It's a person that we have a real relationship with that we can encounter. And uh, we were sharing a quote earlier that Pastor Junior wrote down. He's going to read it, and he'll read it again. But the Holy Spirit is not a doctrine to be to be studied. Right. It, the Holy Spirit is a person to be encountered with power. And God wants to change our lives and empower us uh, to accomplish his will on the earth. Um, Luke chapter 24. Um, Luke chapter 24. Listen to this right here. This is... He's now been seen by 500 people. He's resurrected. He's opened up the scriptures to them on the road to Emmaus. The Bible says how our hearts did burn within us when he opened the understanding. My God, I'm praying for holy heartburn to come upon the church in this region. He's, he's, he's not walking around in a spirit body. He told Thomas, he said, stick your fingers in my side, stick your fingers in my hands. He's eating fish. Come on, he's not a spirit floating around on the earth. He's in a body, but he's in a glorified body. He's in a resurrected body on the earth. And he supernaturally unlocked their understanding to receive the revelation of the scriptures. And he said unto them, everything has happened, fulfills what was prophesied of me. Christ the Messiah was destined to suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. Now you must go into all the nations and preach repentance and forgiveness of sin so that they will turn to me. Start right here in Jerusalem. Start right here in Jerusalem. We've got to start in our own house. Come on, so my revival starts within you. It starts within our homes. If it ever gets in you, if it ever gets in your house, it'll be in the house of God. Let me say this too, that I believe that the turning of the church, I was reading a quote by Charles Finney. He talked about politics. He talked about the nation. If anything goes astray, he said, if anything goes astray concerning politics, concerning anything in the nation, he says it lies at the pulpit pit, man. We have got to have a fresh baptism of courage, a fresh baptism of power, and and, and to be empowered with dunamis power from on high to preach the truth of God in these days ahead. Listen to this. He said, you must go into all the nations and preach repentance and forgiveness of sin so that they will turn to me. Start right now in Jerusalem, for you are my witnesses and have seen for yourselves all that has transpired. And I will send the fulfillment of the Father's promise to you. So stay here in the city of uh, so stay in the city until the mighty power of heaven falls upon you and wraps around you. So Jesus is telling them it's to your advantage that I go away. Now I want you to get to Jerusalem. I want you to gather in an upper room. We know that over five hundred seen him. By the time the promise of the Holy Spirit comes, there's 120 gathered in an upper room that falls on them. We're about to read this. But he said, stay there. Stay there. Don't leave. Don't leave until you have been endued with power. Wonder what would happen in our church services if we said, listen here, we got one goal this morning, and that goal is to be encountered by the presence of Almighty God, and we're not leaving until something comes and it shakes me on the inside. And I walked in. This is why in the Old Testament they had to enter the temple one way, but they left another way. This was a prophetic sign that we would never enter into God's presence and leave the same way 
that we came in. If we came in sick, we were leaving healed. If we came in bound, we were leaving delivered. Come on, somebody. My God, I feel the presence of God in this place. God is wanting to move with the Holy Ghost. Now, I've heard it said this, that this was the first year probably since the original Passover that we did not celebrate Passover, but we observed Passover. And so we're still in this time. We're in this time between the Passover, Exodus, and to the time of Pentecost. The, the, the feast of uh, the, the Pentecost is a feast. It's not a denomination. Come on, somebody. It, it's, a, it's a feast, and it means 50. So 50 days, which will be, we'll celebrate Pentecost on May 31st, I think it is. So in this 50-day time period, they were sent to Jerusalem to gather. Now, I don't want to read all of Acts chapter 1, but there's divine order in this because Peter realized, hey, there's 11 of us, that God ain't going to use 11. 11's confusion, and so that there must be 12 because 12 is proper government, also the number of the apostolic. And he said, hey, we got to, so they they had to choose out of that gathering there. Notice what, they didn't choose the best one that could preach. They didn't choose the one that could prophesy the best. They said, here's the deal. This man's got to be with us since the beginning. So God's honor and faithful. They was two of them, and the lots fell to Matthias. Now, after Matthias is chosen to be the, the to be the the twelfth apostle with them, the Bible says this. Let's read it right here. On the day of Pentecost was being fulfilled, all the disciples were gathering in one place. Suddenly, they heard a sound of a violent blast of wind rushing into the house from out of the heavenly realm. The roar of the wind was so overpowering, it was all anyone could bear. Then all at once, a pillar of fire appeared before their eyes, separating into into tongues of fire. The King James renders that divided tongues of fire. It's amazing what seemed to bring, what seemed to divide them was there sent to unify them. Come on now. Divided tongues of fire that engulfed each of them. They were all filled and equipped, look at this, filled and equipped with the Holy Spirit and were inspired to speak in tongues, uh, empowered by the Spirit to speak in language they had never learned. Now, now at the, at the time, there were Jewish worshipers who had, who had immigrated from many different lands to live in Jerusalem. When the people of the city heard the roaring sound, crowds came running to where it was coming from. Stunned over what was happening because each one could hear the disciples speaking in his or her own language. Now, how many times did I just read what I get out of this? How many times of the sound of the wind, the roar, the roar, the roars repeated over here? I believe God wants to increase the sound to come to the church, Junior. Man, we have got to become a voice in this nation. If this ain't a slap and a rebuke to the leadership and the church in America as they have deemed the church unessential, man, come on, somebody. The church, the pulpit has been a deem, has been deemed by the government of this nation and our local governments as unessential, man. Come on, somebody. There's never been a time in our history where the church has been deemed unessential. I'm telling you, but God's going to put a voice back in the church. The church is going to have a roar in the days of heaven because we are waking up. Because, listen, Jesus, remember when they were crossing to the other side, he told them to beware of the leaven of Herod and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. The Pharisees is the the religious spirit and the Herod is the political spirit. The church has been 
and ate up with this political spirit. We will not be able to move in the power that God's destined us when we are ate up with the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. Now, there was a roaring sound. Most of the church has tried to figure out how can we be as least offensive as possible. Come on, somebody. That Jesus was not worried about offending people. Come on, somebody. When he made the entrance into Jerusalem, the Bible says this, this little lamb that we heard about in Sunday school went into the temple and drove out those money changers, drove out the money changers and the ones that were selling dove. He wasn't upset that the church was making money. What he was upset is they reduced the offering down David said, I cannot offer unto God that which has not cost me anything. They had reduced it down where I could just pay for something for you to offer up to God to worship. Listen here. In the days of head, we've got to offer up to God that which cost us something and enter into worship, which is worth. Now, look at this. But others, I'm going to skip down to verse 13. But others poke fun. Remember they said that these men... Right here, the King James says, these men, these men ain't filled with the Spirit. They're drunk with new wine. They're just drunk on new wine. Now, from this context, I, I see what's happening here. To, to the appearance, first of all, people were amazed and astonished that they could hear in their own language. So there was divided tongues sent to them, not to divide the church, but to unify the church. Then... What happened through this is an empowerment of a roar came from the church. But to the non-believers and look at them said, man, these people are foolish. They're drunk. So there had to be some stumbling. There had to be some fault. These people were acting the fool. And so what I'm saying is this. How long has it been? Come on, let's just be honest. Even here. Man, because I'm just telling you, I'm privileged to travel, and I've, I've been privileged to preach in a lot of churches. It's amazing to me how many of our Pentecostal churches has not even had tongues manifested in their services. They ain't had nobody to fall out in years in their services. I'm just telling you, friend, I believe that in the days ahead, if we don't make an emphasis on the baptism of the Holy Spirit, if we do not emphasize this and preach this and press into this, we are not going to have the faith to stand in the days of head. I love what Randy Clark he said to our understanding of the Holy Spirit's empowerment. To that degree of the understanding is to the degree that we can follow the Lord in this lifetime. Man, we've got to realize what the Bible said. Jesus said in John 14, the works that you see me do greater works than these because I'm going to my Father. God is wanting to empower the church in this hour. Now, I'm about to turn I'm about to turn um Listen to this. Pentecost was heaven's divine solution to an orphan planet. God was, God was here to unify and empower the church. Now, I want to finish this right. I want to read one other scripture, and then I'm going to turn Pastor Junior loose, and, um, and then we're just going to share back and forth on this. In Acts chapter 19, now, Acts chapter 19, I remember this is a true story that happened. I was asked to come preach in this church. This is a Pentecostal charismatic church. And I was asked to come preach there. And so I remember I took a, um, a psalmist with us. And she got up there to play on the keyboard. I love that. I love the atmospheric music playing when we minister. Uh, the Bible says before Elisha prophesied to Jehoshaphat, he called a minstrel. And the Bible says that when the minstrel began to play, the hand of the Lord was released in there. 
And so that happened in this service. And I remember God highlighted uh, a couple of people to me. I prophesied over them. And then I preached on the power of God in that service. And I'll never forget that as I was coming down off the stage, I remember two families approaching the leadership of the church and saying, man, if that's the direction. This church was in a pastoral change. And so the worship leader had had uh, had uh, he was the one that was in the authority in the in in the room. So I preached, and I remember them coming to to that worship leader, and I could hear them. Man, they wasn't but like fifteen feet away, and I remember them saying, "If that's the direction of this church, we are leaving." We don't, we don't want anything to do with that. I'm telling you, man, most of our leaders, I'm, I'm just telling you this. No, I'm not going to say most because we get into that. Remember, God told Elijah, man, they 7,000 ain't bowed their knee under the bell. But I'm telling you this, because the church has bid into success as numbers, because success is numbers, that we must get numbers in the building to look successful. And rather than power, we want the crowd, but not the cloud. But Israel didn't have the crowd. They had the cloud by day and the fire by night. And I'm telling you, there's coming a separation to the church. Those that want the crowd will just be fascinated by the crowd. But there will be a group, a remnant of people that says, you know what, man? There's something far more work in this land than just COVID-19, man. There's something behind this. There's a spirit, man, that is trying to silence the voice of the church. Church. My God, trying to silence the voice of the church. Listen, when the church is deemed unessential, but a pot distillery is deemed essential. When the church is deemed unessential, but it is essential to go to a, 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 an abortion clinic. Man, I'm telling you, preacher, I'm talking to you. We can't follow the crowd anymore, man. We have got to get the cloud in the house of God. And you know what? The cloud's probably going to run some folk off. The cloud will run people off because, listen, when power manifests in the house of God. When power manifests in the house of God, there's two things going to happen. I will either change my life to line up with that, or I will get out because of the heat got too strong in the kitchen. But here's the deal. I believe those that are want the cloud, we will quit burying people with cancer. We will quit, we will we will stop divorce in the church, and the things that are wreaking havoc in the church is going to force us to change our lives. My God. So I remember, and I remember getting in the car, and I told Catherine, I remember thinking, what did I do? I mean, man, this is a Pentecostal charismatic church. I was not in a denomination that believes that the gifts of the day, embrace sensationalism, that believes that the gifts are no longer for the day. I mean, I'm in a Pentecostal church. But what had happened is that leadership had gotten caught up in, we got to get people in here. I'm not against coffee. I had coffee this morning, friend. You know what I'm saying? But there's got to be more in the house of God than coffee and donuts, man. Come on. Listen, your life is not going to change because you have encountered coffee and donuts. Your life will change when you encounter the authentic presence of God. Now, let's look at this. Go ahead and say what you said about before I read this verse of Scripture. Go ahead and tell me what you told me this the other day that you heard the Lord speak to you about the, about the 21st century church. Go ahead and share that. Share some of that. The, the 21st century uh, church, what I said was the 21st century church needs a uh, first century Holy Spirit. Come on. Like what they moved in. Come on. Because Peter, you know, Peter and John said, this is that which Joel prophesied. Your young right. men's going to see visions. Your old men dream dreams. And it, it says that those watching heard these men, they were bold and in the Lord. And what, what they said was, these men are unschooled men. 
These people aren't educated. They're just ordinary men. Yeah. But there's something different about them. And they took note, the Bible says, Pastor John, that these men had been with Jesus. That's the difference right there. That's, That's what right. we're missing. Because yeah. he said, go wait for the Holy Spirit until you be endued with power from on high. And, you know, Jesus says, uh, when he returned to Galilee, it says he returned in the fullness of power. He, he didn't go, so if you can be full of power, you can be unfilled with power. Oh, you can on, be right. running low. That's right. So what I hear you saying is we, we've got to go back uh, hosting the presence of God, waiting and allowing like they did in Jerusalem until we be endued with power. Because Jesus said, I only did what the Father, I saw him doing, and I only said what I heard him saying. That's right. And you know, one time Saul was uh, anointed king by Samuel, young Saul. And you remember that in 1 Samuel 10. And it's after he got anointed to be king, that's when he went out and searching for his dad's donkeys for three days. But he ran into Samuel the prophet. And the prophet told him, when you leave here, you're going to run into a company of prophets coming down the mountain prophesying, and what's on them is going to get on you. So we believe that represents the corporate anointing that what is on each of us when you come in this house to different gifts, truth is it can spread like wildfire on all of us in the corporate gathering. But here's the point. What he was telling him is that Holy Spirit, you've got to have the Holy Spirit to reach your full potential. Yeah. The church has got to have the Holy Spirit at the hem to reach her full potential in all that God wants to do. I believe that's corporate, and I believe that's in our lives uh, individually because yeah, right. Paul says I don't come in just words and you know teaching he says uh, men's words I come in the demonstration of yeah. the power right. of God from the Holy Spirit yeah. so it's it's a difference we got to be empowered again but the 21st century church has to have an encounter just like they did in the first century church with the Holy Spirit even this let's say this because growing up we both have Pentecostal backgrounds. I, I've been in all of them. Yep. And now, growing up, I was in a Pentecostal church. When I had the encounter with the Lord, February the 2nd of 1998, I was in a denominational church that did not believe in speaking in tongues, did not believe in prophecy, right. all of that. And, and here's the thing. I don't understand how you can go to a church right. that forbids speaking in tongues That's when right. the Bible says, do not forbid, That's do right. not forbid, do not forbid the speaking tongues. And so uh, those that do not want the power gifts will always point where Paul said, well, I'll show you a more excellent way. Well, we know that Corinthians That's 13, right. love is the more excellent way. That's why he put that in between right. the, 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 uh, the, the the gifts the where we receive the gifts in Acts twelve I mean First uh, Corinthians twelve then we go into the love chapter then the administration of the gifts and how they function in the body love is the love is the it. is the cartilage that holds those joints Great, together and so but here's the thing I, I remember being taught as a young boy that we're saved then sanctified and then we're filled with the Holy Spirit as it's, as it's a one time thing right. now we know in Acts 2 that they were filled with the Holy Spirit right. but we read again in Acts 4 where they were refilled with the Holy Spirit right. so the Bible says in Ephesians 5 18 be ye not drunk with wine where in excess but be ye filled with the Holy Spirit that word filled is a continual drink right. and so here's what we're saying is the church is got to learn how to host and to, to con 
continually, continually drink from the river of life. Man, come on, That's somebody. It. Psalms 46 says, though the earth be shaken and though all this be happened, there is a river that flows through the city of come God. On. We are the city, we man. The come city. on, somebody. We are that that which Abraham set out Good. on a journey for looking for a city whose maker and builder is God. God is not dwelling in temples made with man's hand. Know ye not that you are the temple Amen. of God. We Amen. are the city of God that that river is looking to flow That's through, right. man. And that ties us back into Ezekiel's vision. That's right. In Ezekiel 47, that river was flowing from the threshold of the house of God. If we want to see transformation come, come to our city and come to our region and come to our nation, it is not going to come from Washington, D.C. No. Cook County is not going to be changed because it's coming from uh, uh, mayor, the mayor's office. And I appreciate uh, uh, Brother right. Buddy, but it's yeah. not coming that way. The transformation is going to happen yes. from the th from the river of God flowing from the threshold. We've got to right. quit hunkered down behind our stained glass windows and realize that what we've been in, we come to church to get empowered to do the That's work right. of the ministry. Come That's on, good. somebody. And first of all, Jesus didn't say, I'll build temples. That's right. I'll build temples no. and the gates of hell shall not prevail. Right. He said, I'll build my church. Come that on. is the only thing that God is building. He's not building man's vision. Right. He's not building man's social media accounts. He's building his church. And that word church is not about brick and mortar. That word church is the Greek word ecclesia, yeah. which means a governing body that can rule and reign with him on the that's earth. Good. My good. God, that's good. That's so, so with this, with this Pentecostal message, and I can go back. So, so I want to. I want to go right here. I just want to go through my own journey. So, I have a, a a miraculous encounter with the Lord, February the second of nineteen ninety eight. I'm eighteen years old. I get in this church, and that's just because my friends were going to this church. Now we had a we had a pastor that was on fire, and he was on fire about souls, and we saw souls saved every Sunday. But, um. It's one thing to get infants in a building. It's another thing to train them up. Okay, so I, we gotta have we gotta have infants and we gotta have the training and all those things. So anyhow, I remember doing this class called Experiencing God, and we were writing about our experiences. Each person that would attend would say what they were experiencing in God. Now, I felt like the Lord had called me to preach, and man, I mean, I was burning the Bible up, digesting the Bible, just eating the Bible every day. I mean, just consuming it for hours at the time. And I felt like the Lord had, was calling me to preach. And I had an aunt that went to a church that was different than my church, that was preaching more. Now, let's say something right there. The Bible says Zacchaeus was a man of little stature. How many Christians are a little stature because they're held confined to a small belief system? Let me even say this about the Bible, because everybody said, well, if it ain't it, if, where's that at in the Bible? Where's falling down in the Bible? How are you going to hold a book that they didn't have above the Holy Spirit that they did have? What you got to understand about the Bible, the Bible does not, the Bible does not contain God. It leads us to God. Even Jesus said in John 5, 39, you, you search the scriptures. You burn those scriptures up to the Pharisee. You search them for in them you think you have life, but you wouldn't come to me. I, you wouldn't come to me. Listen, there's so many things coming to me on there. But anyhow, so I had an aunt. She bought me a book, and the book was called Anointing Fall on Me. 
by T.D. Jakes. Remember the classic by yep. Leonard Ravenhill yep. in 1956, Why Revival Terries? He said, with all thy getting, get unction. Right. We got to have unction in the pulpit. Listen, a sermon that is born in the head will reach the head. Yeah. But a sermon that is born in the womb, the womb of his presence, a sermon that is born in the womb of the preacher will reach even unto the tomb. Come on, somebody. Come on. With all thy getting, my God, I feel unction in this room. I get unction. Yes. So I started reading in this book, Junior, and I realized, oh my God, there's so much more to the Bible that, that we're not being preached yeah. to in our church. And so I begin to look at this, and I begin to see where these men had encounters with God. I begin to read Paul where he was Saul of Tarsus, one that was beating the church up. You know what I'm saying? One that was uh, highly educated, beating the church up. But God comes to him on the road to Damascus, puts him down off his horse, strikes him blind, tells Ananias to go pray for him. And if he go pray for him, his eyes will be open. His eyes was open to see who the Lord was. And then I begin looking at these men with encounters, how Peter, who denied the Lord, who denied the Lord in front of a teenage girl, denied him three times, couldn't even stand up to a girl by fire, a teenage girl to say that he knowed him. And then to look at Peter after, after Pentecost happened to him. Now with the crowd buzzing and saying, mocking them, saying these men are drunk, he stands up and says, hey, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel, that in the last days God will pour his spirit out on all flesh. We're about to see this, man. All flesh. God is going to pour his spirit spirit out on all flesh, not the Pentecostals, not the charismatic, but the Baptists, the Mormons, the Catholics. He's pouring his on Muslims. He's going to pour his spirit out on all flesh, and our sons and daughters are going to prophesy like we've never seen, man. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost in this room. We've got to begin to preach this and teach this in the church. Now, I said, oh my God. I remember going home telling mama, Mama, I, I feel like I'm fixing to leave his church. So I was invited to a place on Wednesday night. Never heard a prophetic word in my life. I go to this church. I remember this like yesterday. The service, the associate pastor was preaching. And back then, if you remember in our churches, we used to have wingback chairs on the stage. The pastor sat on the stage. And the associate pastor was preaching a message. I, rem I still remember, this is 20-something years ago, but I still remember that what he was preaching. He was preaching about Elijah being up under the juniper tree. And then the, the girl came to the piano, began to play some worship. The church was, man, this guy was a reformer, man, in this church. The first thing he did, a lot of people going to send us some hate mail on this, but he got rid of the red back hymnals. He said, we're not singing this anymore. We're not going to sing about God. We're going to start singing to God with praise and worship. And so... It's one thing to sing, uh, you know, 120 out of there. He set me free, uh, you know, uh, like a bird in prison. I dwell, you know what I'm saying? Right. Uh, but, but he set me free. You're telling me what God did for you. But when I sing, shout to the Lord or, oh, how he loves us, you know what I'm saying? I begin to sing to him, and he becomes the audience of one. So God was beginning to shift that. All of that was happening in the 90s. And, and so at the end of that service, he, a lady comes to me, grabs me by my hand, and she said, young man, will you go to the, will you go to the altar? Now, I'm not going to lie. I was nervous. I was a little bit afraid because we didn't do that in our church. But nevertheless, I got up, and I went down there to where, to where the pastor was, the, where the, whatever. The pastor jumped out of the wingback chair, 
And he grabbed the microphone from the associate. And he said, ma'am, I appreciate you obeying the Lord. And he said, young man, he said, uh, it, it, he, he did not know me. Only thing he had knew is I'd been attending his youth group for about two to three weeks or whatever. And he knew that I was in the Methodist church. And so he said, he said, ma'am, I appreciate you obeying the Lord. And he looked at me, he said, young man, he said, you had a crossroads. He said, you can go to the left or you can go to the right. But the Lord is saying, come after me, son, come after me. And he says, he says, know this, son, for I've called you to preach my gospel. And from this day forward, you shall preach the word with fire, for I will baptize you in fire. My God, we ain't heard about a baptism of fire in the church, but I'm telling you, God wants a company of people with the baptism of fire. And what you've got to understand, the baptism of fire is not to come lay the church on the ground. It is not to herk and jerk us. It is not for us to speak in tongues. The Malachi tells us why this. He said, I'm coming to sit amongst you, Junior. I'm coming to sit amongst you as a refiner's fire. What the fire does is it purifies us, man. It turns, it turns, it brings all the draw to the top to turn us into pure gold. I'm telling you, friend, we are in some great days. If we'll begin to embrace this message as old as it seems, well, John, you just preaching that old glorious Pentecostal gospel. I'm telling you, if it worked for the first century, it'll work for the 21st century. What we've done is we've used props. We've used every other thing. We've been like David. We put the cart on, we put the ark on a new cart and thought we was going to roll it into revival, but we've hit naked stretching floor in this nation and we've got a shaking going on and we've got to realize friend that it ain't never going to be rolled in on no boards and committees and all of that we got to sanctify the priest in this nation and board up the um, gird up the poles and begin to tote that thing into the city of Jerusalem and the church has got to begin to prophetically dance ahead of that ark and declare what's coming to this nation I'm telling you this nation is not done with by the glory of God my God, you better jump in here and I'm going to preach. Man, I'm telling you, right? Listen to me. So, so I go back to my church. I hit the ground, Junior. Before I ever hit the ground, the power of God's all over me. I'm speaking in tongues. I'm, just, I'm in fluent tongues before I hit the ground. And I remember the microphone being put in my face. And I remember him saying, my God, church, somebody shout, this boy's Methodist. Because, I mean, in our church, we didn't even believe that could happen. We didn't believe that could happen. I went back to that church. I shared. There was a lot of older men in the room. I shared the experience I had because we were doing a book called Experiencing God. I'll never forget one of the older gentlemen said, listen here. He quoted sister so-and-so, brother so-and-so, and and sister so-and-so was in that church. He said, these are the strongest believers I know, and none of them don't speak in tongues. Let me tell you what the church has done. They've lowered, they've come up with theology to explain away why this no longer happens today. Instead of raising the level of faith, even John Calvin that they cut to say is a sensationalist believed in the gifts of the Spirit. He just believed the church lacked the faith to walk in the gifts of the Spirit. And so here's the deal. Here's the deal. I know this by I know this by what I've seen with my own eyes. 
And I always tell people this. People say, well, John, you got to be careful. You got to be careful about preaching experience and, you know, all those experiences. You got to be careful. Let me tell you this. If you've not had an experience, you've already been deceived. If you've never experienced healing, somebody, some, some slick-haired politician that calls himself a preacher can talk you right out of healing, friend. Come on, somebody. But I'm telling you that if you ever seen God heal, friend, nobody can ever tell you. You say, well, you don't understand. Hey, I've lost people. I lost my dad at 52 years old to cancer, but it never changed the fact inside of me that God's not a healer. I buried my brother-in-law this year, man. I mean, right at the closing on December the 25th, Christmas Day, 49 years old with a heart attack. It does not change the fact that God's not a healer. God is a healer, man. We've experienced these things. So let's think about it. What we've seen emphasized before COVID-19, we rocking on. As long as we got good numbers, everything's good. As long as the ties are good, we we're okay. You know, John, you you ain't gotta you ain't gotta you ain't gotta really go after it all that hard. Now let's look at Acts chapter nineteen. I want to read this verse of scripture. Now this is the emphasis that Paul put. Nowhere in here do I read that we got a coffee machine. I'm not beating up the coffee machines, but I'm telling you this: they don't take nothing to grow a church. The only thing it takes to grow a church is money. If you got plenty of money, you can get you can get you all the numbers you want. But I can tell you this: the Falcons has got plenty of numbers that gather on Sunday to watch him play, or they used to when they was winning. The Braves are gonna have they gonna have numbers. You don't say it till the postseason. But it but nothing. But let me tell you, nothing ain't gonna happen in there. Nothing's not gonna happen. Let me just say this: there was only there was only four people. There was only three with Jesus in Jairus' house, but they saw the dead raised. There was only three on the Mount of Transfiguration, but they saw him transfigured. They saw Elijah and Moses. So numbers don't mean a, a pile of beans. Listen here. You could have you could put you could fill up a church with two ways. You can put it, you can put a lot of skinny people in there, or you can put a few fat people in there. You can fill it up one or one, one or two ways. Now here's the deal. While Apollos was ministering in Corinth, I'm in Acts chapter 19, Paul traveled on through the regions of Turkey until he arrived in Ephesus where he found a group of 12 followers of Jesus. The first thing he asked them was, Have you, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you became believers? Now, hold on. We're going to just, let's just tear out right here. Because I, I love this, right? Catherine said, why you always got to be controversial? That's just my call. You know what I'm saying? But here's the thing. But I thought I received everything when I got saved. I mean, hold on now. I thought I received you. you hold on. Let's read this again. While Apollos was ministering in Corinth, Paul traveled on through the regions of Turkey until he arrived in Ephesus, where he had found a group of twelve. Where he found a group of twelve followers of Jesus. The first thing he asked them was, "Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you became believers?" Now, here's what we ask people: Do you go to church? Nowhere in the Bible does it say if a man be in church, he shall be a new creation. But it does say in Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17, I believe it is, somewhere around in there, maybe Corinthians 5, don't hold me to that if I misquoted that. But it is in the book of Corinthians that if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. So we ask people, do you go to church? If, we go, if they go to church, we think they got it. So his main emphasis on to the believers, have you been filled with the Holy Spirit? Right. Now, we see a prophetic picture of this. And when the children of Israel exited out of Egypt, they went into the baptism of Moses, which was the Red Sea. But they never took any land or never gained any ground until they crossed Jordan. Jordan was not an ocean. 
Jordan was a river flowing at flood stage. Come on, somebody. Listen, after they went through that baptism of the Jordan, come on, somebody, that's when they begin to possess the land. So here's the thing. I was saved. I was in church, loved God, eating the Bible, but I had not been empowered. I'd even tried to preach two times. And I remember struggled preaching and still struggled preaching, but I was struggling real bad then preaching the gospel. And my aunt said, listen, if you're going to preach, the gospel. You got to get something else besides what you just got. You hear me? There's another level of experience in God that's not being preached in your church, but I'm going to give you a book to educate you because people can't change unless they heard enough to change or if they learn enough to change. Come on, somebody. My people are destroyed because of lack of knowledge. So I begin to see, my God, there's another level of experience. Come on, somebody. They were believers in John 20. Jesus blew on them and said, receive ye the Holy Spirit. They were believers, but they were not empowered to become the witnesses that he was desiring until the upper room experience. In Acts chapter 2, they were transformed, brother. Listen here. They went from Clark Kent to Superman, and Peter, who had no boldness, stood up in the boldness and proclaimed the gospel and 3,000 men gave their life to Jesus that day. My gosh. So I'm telling you, if we've observed a real Passover, I'm believing we're fixing to have a true Pentecost in the church. A message that has been lost. It has, Junior. Everything in old school wasn't bad. We've lost the power of God, man. We, we're counseling people with depression and trying to help them break depression when the power of God is the answer. That's a head knowledge, and you gotta have, you got to have the power to break it. Come on. So Jesus came. He, he came, and what was his message? His message was the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of God is at hand. Come on. Because, see, religion tells you this. Religion tells you that you can only get, see heaven once you die, somewhere over yonder, out of your reach. But Jesus said, I come to bring heaven to you now. The kingdom of God is here now. It's within your reach. And the Bible says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit, who went around doing good, healing the sick, and, and all that was oppressed of the devil. So we, we've got to have a kingdom message, and the kingdom is now. Heaven is now. That's why he said uh, what we call the Lord's Prayer, but, you know, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. He said pray that the Lord's kingdom come. Why is that? I want heaven to come to earth now because in heaven right now there is no cancer. In heaven there is no disease. In heaven there is no that. And uh, so that's what we've got to come back to. It's a now message. It's a now word. Uh, the kingdom of God bringing heaven to earth now. It's impossible to do it without the Holy Spirit and, and just waiting in his presence again, waiting till you be endued with power from on high. I'd like to share something. One night I, I used to open up the church, you know, part of my training, but I'd open up at the beginning of service share something and pray. And one night, I, you know, I lived across the street, and one night I was over flipping my Bible, and I tried to see, Lord, are you saying this? And one day he come to me about a man lame in his feet 38 years. And all I know is when I read that, the power of God come on me, 
And I shook violently like this, and I did not quit until I delivered the word about two hours later. I could have went in the building and gave the word. I'd never or since experienced that, but I knew that was the Holy Spirit, the power of God. And that very night, our pastor, I sat on the front row, and uh, our pastor that night, he'd been having issues with his feet and cast and going to the foot doctors. And I'm telling you, that night, he come out of his prayer room home and told his wife, I feel like the Lord's going to heal somebody tonight, not realizing it was him. And what he did is that passage that I opened up the service with was the message the Lord had gave him to preach that very night. And he began to preach about the man lame 38 years. And I held my hand up. And, man, I was about to bust. And he, he kept noticing. He kept preaching. Brother Junior, you got something? I was interrupting the man of God. And I said, yeah. And, and what it was, I said, behold, you are that man, and the Lord heals your feet tonight. And see, that was the power of the Holy Spirit deposited on me in my house that I came in, and it stood, I was just violently. I mean, it was noticeable. I couldn't contain it. That was the Holy Spirit. And I wish I had more of them stories, but that's what he wants to do. There's a kingdom of darkness, you know, Pastor John, that it, it gives people guilt and condemns and brings shame to them. That's the enemy. But Jesus says, I come to preach the kingdom. And what is it? The kingdom of light. And he's, what is the kingdom? He said the kingdom was what? Righteousness, joy, and peace in the Holy Spirit. That's what all people want is those three things in life. I want to be in right standing with God. How do I do that? It's, it's Jesus Christ, the blood of the Lamb, accepting what he did for you. And then you've got joy unspeakable. You've got peace, the Bible says, peace like no other. All, all people are searching for those three things. You're not going to find it in a bottle. You're not going to find it in drugs. You ain't going to find it in sex. Come on, you're not going to find it out there. You're going to find what you're looking for in the Holy Spirit, in the Holy Spirit. So we... Where we're at right now, and man, the Lord has anointed you mighty this morning. Uh, this is the message, man. We've got to begin to, to speak about the Holy Spirit. We can't do church without the Holy Spirit. We've done it too long. That's why we hadn't seen nothing happen. But, God, I'm telling you, if we'll pause, the whole thing is slowed down. Why? Is, I believe it's so we can sit in His presence. Just wait on the Lord. Let everything just slow down. Just get along with the Lord and, and begin to host Him, tell Him, how much you love him. Just think about what he's done for you. As you begin to thank him and begin to just thank him for all your life and what he's done, I believe the Spirit of the Lord, that's what comes in because we enter in with thanksgiving and with praise. But I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit is not out yonder. The Holy Spirit's in here. This is the temple. Know you not that we are the temple. So the Holy Spirit is here. He is a person. So I begin to talk to him, Holy Spirit, I need you. And here's what I know. Say a pie represents 100%, Pastor John. Your heart can only be filled with so many things. In other words, you know, Junior might be full of this 20%, this 50% of my life. If I don't have no room for the Holy Spirit, I can assure you he's not coming in. So I've got to make room for him. If you want a horse, come on. If you want some horses, you build a fence. You, you got you to gotta host the presence. So I... I believe that's, that's where we're at. We've got to host the presence of the Lord. But I know this. 
as much as we can do without the Holy Spirit, I'm telling you, if to the degree that we're not desperate for the Holy Spirit, He will not come. We've got to be desperate. Right now in America, that voice you said, this is the voice, this is what God is saying. It's got to be the Holy Spirit. We still need Him. We are bankrupt without the Holy Spirit. We need Him. You need Him. I need Him in my business. We need Him in the church. Mama needs Him at home with the kids. The teachers need Him. We all need the Holy Spirit. He's a person. He's real. And He's in you. And you, when you get saved, you got the Holy Spirit, but you don't have the feeling. That's what I'm talking about. So we got to be filled. And we leak. We leaky vessels wherever we go. Sometimes I just got to run in, get in God's presence. I've been too busy out there, Pastor John. And, and it's been noisy. And your wife says you're a little ill. And what's wrong? Well, she can tell I hadn't been in the presence. But sometimes I'll feel a woo and just a drawing like, man, I just got to go get in his presence. And all it is is I begin to, you know, I exalt you, Lord. And I begin to put on some music that exalts him. And I shut everything down. And that's where it really takes place. And, man, it don't get no better than that. I just think where, you know, <clears throat> this is just where I've just been hanging out. Because I just see, I just see something at work in this nation, man that's really come to silence the voice of the church. I was just sharing with you articles. Man, there's articles out there right now where I saw one governor wants to, wants to shut the church down or forbid the church to meet for one year. Wow. Friend, I'm telling you something. I'm telling you yeah. right now, if the church is not awakened by this, right. you told me praying for awake. If this right here has not right. woke the church up, I'm telling you, we, we, we doomed. But I'm just telling you right here, I believe that leaders are saying, you know, listen, it was it was a church that was lackadaisical in the 60s, said, you know, man, there ain't no way no one woman's going to pull prayer out of school. And I'm telling you, look at our schools. Look at our institutions today. Our institutions are not teaching, are not teaching people how to think. They're telling them what to think. Listen, they are indoctrinating our kids with this leftist spirit that's trying to rule this land. But I'm telling you, God wants to anoint some Moses that's going to show up into Egypt. Come on, somebody. And when they throw their snake down, let me tell you, something our snake's gonna devour that snake when the great the greatest powers that be stand up in this nation god is looking for some men and women of god that can demonstrate the power of the kingdom come on somebody ye shall receive power after that which the holy ghost has come upon you to be a witness into jerusalem and samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth i'm telling you we cannot cower down we need a fresh baptism of courage in the pulpit in this in this nation to look at their congregation and preach the truth. Preach about abortion. Preach about what's happening in this nation, man. Come on, somebody. Yes. We got to tell the truth about it. We got to tell the truth yes. about it. And so we, we've got, listen, we don't want to offend. Well, I'm just worried about if Johnny Big Bucks, maybe they won't pay tithe. I remember listening years ago to Jensen Franklin. He preached a message called Joel's Bar. And what he preached on Joel chapter 2, uh, he preached it on Pentecost Sunday, Joel chapter 2, 28, that in the last day, saith God, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. And he talked about the characteristics of a drunk man. The reason why we're afraid to tithe is because we're not drunk enough. A drunk man will befriend anybody. Come on, somebody. He don't want to put his arm around you and talk to you. What he talked about is we're not drunk enough. But I remember in that message, them telling Jensen, 
and said, you know what? They had some leaders come up to him and said, you know what? We got so-and-so today. He's the head surgeon at Emory. You know what I'm saying? And what they were looking at is all them dollars he could come in. He said, let me tell you something. Where was the head surgeon in the 80s when I had 200 people? Before there was anything built here, when I was standing here declaring something, he said, I'm dancing with the one that brought me. Let me tell you who's brought me since February the 2nd of 1998. It has been the power of God and the Holy Ghost. Let me tell you what I'm going to look for at Cornerstone. We're going to lay hands on the sick. They're telling us we can't touch people. Paul said to lay hands on the sick. We're going to lay hands on people. We're going to put our hands on John G. Lake, even in Africa, when they had the yellow fever and the virus broke out, John G. Lake said, put the virus on me. And when they put the virus on him, it died. Why did it die? Come on, somebody. There is flames that don't kill people. Ask Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. There is folks that lions don't eat. Ask Daniel when he was thrown in the lion's den. There, I'm telling you, God's looking for a people that will stand up on the face of this earth and look at Pharaoh and the gods of Egypt and the gods of Babylon and say, let me tell you something like Elijah. I'm Elijah the Tishbite, Ahab, and it ain't raining for three and a half years at the sound of my word because I ain't coming here representing myself or denomination. I came representing the king. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost. Junior, I'm telling you, listen, the, the three Hebrew boys said, let me say this. Listen, the God we serve, he's more than able to deliver us, but let me tell you this. Even if he don't come through, we ain't bowing down to your golden image. I ain't bowing down to the spirit in this land. Friend, we've been called to preach the gospel. Preachers, we will be held accountable to what we preach. If you lollipop the message and water the message down and let your traditions to cause the gospel to be of no effect, we will be judged. We will be judged when we stand before the eyes like fire and the feet like brass. It's time to preach the truth. And the truth is salvation provided us an exodus. And the truth is, God wants the empowerment of the Holy Spirit in your church. Well, what does that look like, preacher? What, what are you saying? I'm telling you this. The Bible says when the ox is in the stall, there's going to be mess. If you don't want to deal with no message, then this is not. Then you continue on drinking your coffee, eating your donuts, and entertaining your crowd. Meanwhile, God is going to have some people that are not interested in the crowd, but are only interested in the cloud. Listen. What I found to be true at, at, ever since I've been in the ministry, I've been a senior pastor now for close to 15 years. Let me just say this, over 15 years now. I found when somebody gets mad, blow up, going to pull their tithe, God will send somebody that's going to give twice what they gave. I've done dealt with this. I've had people to walk away from this church because we don't preach the cross. Yeah, that's right. The cross is not a sign of a New Testament church. Why you got the cross in your yard? Come on, somebody. Why don't you put a why don't you put a stone in your yard? Let me tell you something. The cross is not the sign of a New Testament church. Come on, somebody. The cloven tongues of fire is a sign of a New Testament church. That's good. Because where the in the Old Testament, the blood had to be put on the earlobe, the right thumb, the big toe, and wherever they put the blood. The blood came first, but wherever the blood came, that's where the Holy Spirit and the fire would fall. So the Spirit followed, the Holy Spirit follows the blood. But that's the sign of the New Testament church is the Holy Spirit right. filled church. That's good. That's good. So I'm just telling you, I think, I think what I'm going after, this is what I'm positioning here. I'm going to go after the presence, yeah. man, like I've never been after right. the presence. The Bible says that David, they were still meeting in the glory, that beautiful temple. 
that Solomon built, I mean, that, that Moses established, they were still meeting in that tabernacle. But here's the deal. There was no ark in that tabernacle. They were... There was no ark in there. The ark was uh, at Mount Zion, outstretched underneath the tent that David had established for it. And there was no veil. The worshipers became the veil, man. Come on, somebody. 24 hours a day, worship, 365. David established that. Man, here's the thing. Let me say this. I'm going to get back on this one thing. Do you know that there is more worship There is more worship, more prayer, and the Word of God being taught from the White House right now than at any time ever before in history. Yeah, that's right. And we got Christian leaders, Christian leaders that sat down and watched NBC, CNN, and Fox News praying against this man in the White House. I never agreed with Obama's uh, policies, especially when he put the White House in the rainbow colors. He, he, He advanced the globalist agenda like never before. That's why, listen, go back. I'm challenged on this. Kim Clement is a man standing behind his keyboard prophesying and says this. God says, I'm dissatisfied with both parties, and he is. God is neither Republican nor Democrat. He's Yahweh who owns a cattle of a thousand hills. I don't care if you Democrat or Republican, you should want God's policies gone for in this nation. Come on, somebody. So here's the thing. God says, I'm dissatisfied. This is in 2009. I'm dissatisfied with both parties. God says, I will shock the Democrats in 2016. This was prophesied in 2009. And I will dissatisfy even the Republicans because Trump was not a Republican. Come on. He was a a, a nationalist, a populist running, a Cyrus to rebuild a nation that God has established. Come on, friend. Even on the Liberty Bell, the scriptures on the Liberty Bell, that is what's happening in our country. Our country was established on freedom, the freedom that we could worship God, the freedom that we could we could love one another and be free in this nation. And that is what's being under attack in this nation. And we, the preachers, if we do not get our head out of the sand and look at, do I believe in this virus? Yes. I'm going to do everything I can to protect my people from the virus. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. I'm also going to equip my people to battle something that's greater than the virus. And that is the spirit of this world. So I'm dissatisfied with both parties. I will shock the Democrats, saith God. And I will displease the Republicans because all of those Lindsey Graham, all of those established daggum politicians that have gotten rich off the backs of the people of this nation, God took a man in there that didn't need the money. Come on, somebody. Didn't need any of the money but and put a king in there to, to try to, to... What he did was he stopped the globalist agenda. What I believe that COVID-19 has done is allowed the church to gain some ground because this is how far we're behind. Because we were just, I mean, hey, even even after we seen this, even after we, man, nobody would have gave, I, I, I myself didn't believe it. I, I, that's the only election I've ever stayed up all night to yeah. see what happened because I knew what was hanging in the balance. That's right. And so here's the thing, that with, even with this, we have been blessed economically like never before. Yeah. Strongest economy, lowest unemployment rate, all these things happening. And yet the church was rocking on like usual. Hey, nothing, 
Hey, we just gonna have we we having good services. You know what I'm saying? The ties is up and our attendance is up. We get, we look good on social media. Meanwhile, we buried them with cancer. Meanwhile, the divorce rates happening. Come on, somebody, look at the look the, the problem with the world. That the reason why the world can't hardly identify the church is we look exactly like them. But I'm telling you, the fire is gonna bring a separation from that. And so here's the thing: let the people mock. Let them say what they're going to say. But I can tell you this, as the shepherd of this house, the emphasis will be on the power of God, whether we got 10 people going after it or whether we got 1,000 going after it. Come on, somebody. But I am after the presence of Almighty God. I'm not here to conform and do a 30-minute worship set. I'm not going to get on the stage in a polo and ripped jeans and tell you how to live your best life now. What I will tell you is if you will lose your life and lay it down, you will find your life. Come on somebody. What we will stand up and say to, to pick up your cross and deny yourself. Come on somebody and follow after him. What I will tell you is that the Holy Ghost in you is greater than anything that goes before you. Come on. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. We will not We will not try to counsel a devil. We will cast devils out in his name. Come on somebody. We will heal the sick. Jesus shows up in Luke 4. Man, we got to quit. My God, I'm about ready to throw down. He shows up and he says this, that the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. What I want to tell you, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon you. He has anointed you, friend. He has anointed you, friend. And he has anointed you to heal the sick, cast out devils freely. You have received freely. Go give in the name of Jesus. My God, I long today for a church. Bill Johnson teaches his people this. If you need something Walmart, enter into the garden center. And ask Yahweh as you walk in that place, God, if you want to demonstrate your kingdom. If you want to demonstrate your kingdom, let's go. I remember reading the story of a Bethel student that grabbed a doggone microphone at Costco and said, let me, let me, let me, can I borrow your little mic right here to make an announcement right here? And she gave it to him. He said, attention, attention, all shoppers, the kingdom of God is just in in this uh, Costco shopping center. If anybody in this place be sick, if you'll come to Rester, if you'll come to Rester 11, I'll lay hands on you. God to heal you. There was a man that was in there that made a living by playing the piano, and he had carpal tunnel so so bad that he had lost his he had lost his ability to make a living. He walked up and he was not even a believer. Listen here, friend. God don't care if you, man. I ain't got time to get in all this. Listen, Jesus healed the non-believers and they became believers. Come on, when the church learns how to put a message on display instead of just being able to communicate us and tell us how good the vacuum cleaner works and tell us how good you know the vacuum cleaner can clean the, the carpets, it can suck it can suck the dust off your shingles and all this stuff. But if you never Never turn it on and demonstrate. It makes me hard to believe what you're saying is real. But if you could demonstrate, if you turn it on and we see the dust coming off the shingles, we are more happy to buy that message. Come on now. So the man goes up in front of him. He shows him the carpal tunnel. The kid lays hands on him right there. God heals him instantly. And he becomes a believer. Wow. That's it. Where is that at, man? I'm tired of reading about it in California. I'm tired of reading about it in Mozambique. I'm tired of reading about it in in other places of the earth. South Georgia, I'm talking to you, preacher. Let's get it on in our church. Come on, somebody. Let's go by faith and give the invitation. My God. I get calls to go preaching. This is what what people ask me when I'm coming to preach in the church. They'll call me three weeks ahead of time. And said, can you send your uh, message with your bullet points? Yeah. I said, listen, I ain't got my message till I show up. That's exactly right. 
I ain't got no bullet points. Man, we got churches in the South giving the bulletin out when you walk in the front door. They know what's going to happen before it happens. Where is the room for the Holy Ghost to move in your church? What if we just showed up and said, listen here, all I know is we're about to crank this thing up. I couldn't tell you what's about to happen, but all I know this is we desperate for Yahweh God, and we ain't leaving this house today. We ain't looking to beat people at the chicken line today. We got one agenda, and that's to be transformed by the power of God. Yes. What would happen, man? man? What would happen? It caused a roar that the city would hear. And the city would come out. Just like it did in Acts. I'm looking for the roar to come from the house of God. John, you just need to calm down. Friend, I ain't calming down. Come on, somebody. I know in whom I have believed, Paul said. I know what I put unto him, and I'm confident in this one thing. He is able to keep what I've entrusted unto him. And the reason, Pastor John, that the enemies fight this thing worldwide with this COVID and to distance us is because he knows what's on the other side of this thing is revival, the third awakening coming to the body of Christ led by the Holy Spirit. He said he wouldn't even have killed Christ if he had known what he was doing. Come on. This is this is that. It's just in our time on the other side of this. That's why the enemy's fighting this social distance and, and churches and all that. Because he knows it's our time. It's time of the kingdom. That's right. It's time of the kingdom. It's time for the church to get back yes. together. Yes. I'm telling you right here. As a shepherd of God, one sent by God to proclaim his word, it's time for the church to gather back. We will clean this facility. Man, I've got I've got uh, pump-up sprayers that would mess in it that would kill anything. This building is going to be clean. Listen here, I'll say this. If you are elderly and you're concerned about it, you keep tuning in to the broadcast or whatever. You, you, whatever, to stay connected. But I'm telling you that I feel the, the I feel the hand of God right. saying it's time to get back in that building, and I want you to begin to declare who I am. That's right. And I'm telling you this, we're going to lay hands on the sick. Yes. We're going to see them recover, yes, church. We we're going to cast out devils. Yes. We're going to do the work of the kingdom. Yes. This is the message of the hour. Yes. It's time for the power encounters. Oh, I'm telling you, God it. is looking for it, man. That's He's it. looking for the demonstration. That's when it. Paul went to Mars Hill, that's where he got into the debate at the tomb of the unknown God. He gets in this debate trying to debate theology, trying to debate theology. And the Bible says he had a few converts right there. When he showed up, when then he leaves from there to go to Corinth, he said, listen, I'm not coming and doing like I did at Mars Hill. I ain't coming to debate no theology with nobody. But I will come out. I didn't cut. So he says, I don't come with man with enticing words of man's wisdom, but I came in a power and a demonstration of the Holy Spirit. We cannot lose the demonstration of the Holy Spirit. Pastor, I want to challenge you. Rock the boat in your congregation, man. Rock the boat in your congregation. Listen to this. Let me say this. The church I was at, the Methodist church I was at, the man leading that was a spirit-filled believer. Tongue-talking, spirit-filled, I mean, devil-dumping, pew-jumping, fire-baptized preacher but he would restrain himself because he was worried about offending someone. Let me tell you this. A simple read of your Bible in Acts, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 says tongues is not a sign for the believer, but for the non-believer. I just going to quote the Bible here. 
You worried about offending the non-believer. It's not a sign for the believer. It's a sign for the non-believer. What it is to show this thing that is wicked, it cannot be tamed. But now it is submitted to the lordship of Jesus, and God has completely took over. Say, well, I ain't got time to do no whole teaching on tongues here at the very end of this. But Paul said, I will pray in tongues of understanding, and I will pray in the tongues of angels. I speak in tongues every day of my life. I remember listening to this evangelist or whatever. His daughter was embarrassed because he prayed in tongues all the time. And they went shopping at the mall. And he was just walking through the mall. Just praying in tongues. She like, Dad quit. Said every time she went to the cash register, she'd get 50, 60, 75% off. She said, Daddy, just keep praying in tongues. Well, let me hold that credit card. Come on, somebody. The Holy Ghost wants to be with us in everyday life. Everyday life, like you said, Junior. Holy Spirit wants to empower us. He's not a doctrine that can be studied. He is a person that can be encountered. And when you encounter the Holy Spirit, nobody's going to have to call you six weeks from now and wonder if you fell away from the faith. If you baptize in the Holy Ghost, friend, I'm telling you, he will quicken your mortal body. And the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in us. John 7, 38, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. Come on, friend. If the pulpit stands up, God will raise a standard against the spirit of this world. Come on now. We're going to preach it or we're going to believe it. So I hope you're ready for a Holy Ghost encounter, Cornerstone family, because that's what we're looking for next Sunday. I'm telling you right now, we're looking for it. I'm looking to raise up young young youth pastors that'll lay hands on their youth groups. Listen here. We've done gone past the days that tracks is gonna help these teenagers, friend. They battling so they battling Goliath. They battling Goliath. But let me tell you something. Saul's armor is not gonna work for this generation. This generation must encounter the presence of Yahweh God. And I believe God's going to, I believe, I believe that's going to happen. So, friend, I, I, I hope this message bless you. As you tell, I'm about as fired up as you can get fired up. I'm ready. My God, we locked and wrote it. And so, I'm just telling you, this is it, man. God is looking for a real Pentecostal, I mean, a real Pentecost gathering. And he wants to empower us to do the work of the gospel. So, don't forget, May 17th, we're gathering here at the building Right here at the stone, the family of God's coming together. We're going to worship, go after the presence of God, and um, and I'm just I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it. So God bless you, friend. We look forward to seeing you next Sunday, May 17th. Don't forget to tune in Wednesday night. We'll be right back here preaching live, and um, and so but we God bless you. We look forward to seeing you. See ya. We hope you enjoyed our message of the week. Thanks for joining us. Our passion at Cornerstone is our family atmosphere built on deep relationships. We want to connect with you. Please take a moment and download our app and connect with us on social media to stay updated with all things Cornerstone. We pray you have a wonderful week.